your source for all things Detroit Red Wings and Chicago Blackhawks, with your hosts, Jordan Linscott, David Barnhouse, Kevin Musto, and Nick LePage, you're listening to the Stickblade Podcast. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. You're listening to another edition of the Stickblade Podcast. It is a Detroit Red Wings and Chicago Blackhawks podcast. We cover all things Red Wings, all things Blackhawks, and just general news around the NHL. I'm your host, Jordan Linscott, and tonight I'll be joined by my co-hosts, David Barnhouse, Nick LePage, and Kevin Mousteau. On the schedule for tonight, we're going to be talking about Perlini re-upping with the Hawks for another year. Nicholas Cronwall officially announcing his retirement from hockey, at least in terms of a player's role. Trade rumors for Anthony Mantha, for Ristolainen from Buffalo. The prospect camp being in full effect in Traverse City. That's actually going on right now. Uh, Jake Gardner signing with Carolina. Rumors that Patrick Liney is not going to be expected back in Winnipeg. And then we're also going to talk about Clayton Keller re-signing with the Arizona Coyotes for eight years. So we'll go ahead and just get into our first topic of tonight's discussion. Perlini ends up re-signing with the Hawks organization for one year, and I believe it was just shy of a $1 million contract, so basically like a prove-it deal. Um, I think is perfectly fine for a $1 million. Kevin or Nick, initial thoughts on the signing? Kevin, go ahead. Uh, sorry, I was waiting for you to go. Um, yeah, so Brendan Perlini signs for $874,000 for on a one-year deal. Um, I was a bit surprised to see this today because a lot of the reports that were coming out were saying that Perlini was not willing to sign for anything under a million dollars. And that's why it was kind of taking so long for this deal to get done. So for me, I was kind of thinking, we were, I mean, we had discussions about this on earlier um, episodes, you know, discussing what was the future of Perlini with Blackhawks. And for me, I just expected him to get traded out because for me, he wasn't worth anything over a million dollars. So if that was his asking price, I just figured they would try and move him elsewhere. But they got a deal done for a really cheap cap hit. So he's going to stick around for at least this one more year. And he's going to have to prove a lot if he wants to stick around any longer. Yeah, you're exactly right. He's got to prove a lot. Kalini uh, was very inconsistent last year. He'd go on a hot. He actually really only had one hot streak. Yeah, I think he's he scored seven goals in six games, and three of them were against his former teams. And he scored twelve total goals with the Blackhawks, fourteen total in the season. But what I like to see is Stan Bowman played hardball in these contract negotiations. He knew what he wanted. He didn't want to overpay for Perlini, and we got him at a low price. And that's because of his inconsistency. Stan didn't roll over and get his belly pet like he always did in contract extensions with Brandon Saad and everybody in the past. So this is a Big, this this is a high ceiling guy with Brendan Perlini. We know he could score. We know he knows what he's doing. He he could be a top six, top nine player. So this is a good low 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 salary deal for maybe a breakout year for Brendan Perlini. Yeah, you said it in the past. Stan Bowman has made some questionable contract extensions, but it looks like he's uh, learned from his mistakes because this time around he really held his ground and he was really adamant about not giving Perlini that one million or one million plus deal. And with this deal, it just creates even more issues. The Blackhawks already had a large surplus of guys competing for three or four spots, and now Brendan Perlini is officially added to the mix. 
So this is going to be a fun uh, training camp preseason. These guys are going to be battling, working their ass off to take these spots because there's seven guys battling for three spots. So I think by the end of training camp with this deal done, there's going to be a few moves made. I mean, it, Perlini still could be traded. We've seen Bowman trade guys right after an extension like Vinny and Estrosa. So there's going to be some moves made after this preseason because we have way too many guys that, that are competing for very minimal spots. Yeah, I think it's totally a possibility that even with the extension, Perlini still might get moved. It all depends on what happens in training camp because as you said, there's an overabundance of forwards right now that are all competing for very limited spots. So there's definitely going to be some movement in the coming weeks. The other thing that uh, I remember reading online, even after this contract is done, he's still going to be a RFA if I remember correctly. Is that, is that right? Correct. Okay, so I mean, he's still going to have the chance to, if he does well this year, get another contract afterwards with Chicago as well, which I think that's probably, probably what made this signing so good for both parties if Perlini can prove that he's worth more than a million dollars he gets paid more than a million and Chicago still keeps his rights so even if he doesn't prove it he still stays with them as a trade asset mm-hmm. so he's not really hard to move no, no he's got, yeah he's he, not hard to move he's got a low cap hit he like you said he can find the back of the net he's been a double digit scorer I mean his entire time in the NHL so he knows how to find the back of the net he just needs to show more to be you know get paid yeah he just needs to stay consistent I mean, he's a very streaky player which could be good but it's also has his bad times so when he's on a cold streak it's it seems like forever i mean i think there was like 50 like it was something ridiculous brendan Pelini scored like three points in 57 games and then he had like i think it was 12 points in the six or seven games that he was on his hot streak so it, it shows how inconsistent he is and this is why his deal was so low when he, i think he was expecting like 1.5 to 2 million and he got way less than he wanted i mean he's still making good money <laughs> oh, yeah. but really i think that probably speaks to just how smart of a gm that uh bowman is i mean he's essentially putting perlini in a spot where he's essentially going to force him to earn more money or he gets to trade him for an asset so i mean the hawks can't really lose in this situation and really the entire I guess pressure is really up to Perlini at this point because he didn't get thrown a big contract that the Hawks are going to get, you know, bound by. It's very reasonable, very movable. So it just, it seems like the best situation for both parties. Yeah, I would say so. It's a nice bridge deal for, a proven deal for Perlini and a nice comfort, low salary deal for the Hawks. Have anything else to add before we move on, Kevin? No, you guys pretty much covered everything. Okay. Um... We'll move on to our next topic. Uh, a couple of rumors have been floating around this past week that Detroit could possibly be trading Anthony Mantha for Rasmus Ristolainen from the Buffalo Sabres. And I'm not sure where this rumor came out of, but I personally don't see it from Detroit's end. I mean, Anthony Mantha is Detroit's only true power forward on the team right now, and I can't see them trading a power forward who's going to be a a 30-goal scorer for a guy like Ristolainen who realistically isn't going to put them into playoff contention as a true contender. And by the time Detroit's rebuilt, he's going to be up for another contract. So this just doesn't seem like a smart move, at least in my opinion. Uh, David, what was your initial opinion on it? Um, I mean, yeah, I, I definitely agree. When I saw the rumors come out, I, th- I was just like, oh, fake news tabloids, yada, yada, yada. But then other people started to try and report it, and I'm just thinking, Iserman... Eisenman's not this stupid. I mean, yes, Ristolin's a talented D-man, but he's not 
you know, the guy that's going to carry us into the future. Whereas Mantha is our only power forward and he's a player that could definitely help carry us in the future. I mean, he's, he's a goal scoring machine that's just starting to find his groove. And I feel like trading him away for a defenseman who I feel like is good, but not good enough in terms of the deal just isn't like great for me. I mean, like Mantha had 25 goals and 23 assists last year. I could see him, you know, getting 10 more goals and then maybe five to 10 more assists this year. And the other thing to note is, I mean, Mantha, he missed games this season. Like, let's not forget that, you know, he didn't even get the full actual 82 to get those goals. He played 67 games. Yeah. So he missed, let's see, what is that? 15 games. So, I mean, you, you say he would probably score a goal one in every two or three games. He'd probably hit that 30 mark. And I mean, that what was it, the Mantha Larkin Bertuzzi line. That line was fire at the end of the season. Yeah. So th- these rumors to me are just bad rumors. I feel like nothing's going to happen with it. And if it does, I'm going to start, you know, questioning why. <laughs> uh, I, I think Mantha's too young for them to really trade him away. I mean, I don't know. Ristolainen, there's no doubt he's a good player, perfectly reasonable guy that you would want on your team skill wise, but I just can't see Detroit trading their only power forward for him. Yeah, can't I mean, really, you can't give up that many goals. No, yeah, I agree. I, I think the whole aspect of it, like like we said, I, I think I, the, I came across an NHL trade overs or something like, some site like that. But yeah, I mean, obviously you see teams building from the back end forward now, but I don't think Rissalon is that capable of a player. Uh, he, his career, he's a minus 143 on the ice. So it's not, I mean, granted, Buffalo is not a great hockey team, but still, being one of the better D men in the league, and he was a, he's a minus 143 and a minus 41 last year, it's just not great. He's not a guy you could really steadily rely on. So uh, he's not like a number one D man worth going out to get. But if he was like a another piece to a great decor, then it'd be nice. Now, if they were interested in trading the other Rasmus D-man that they have, <laughs> by, all, by all means, take Monta. <laughs> yeah, well, then, then it'd be worth it. But uh, yeah. yeah, no, I think this rumor came from Eklund, so not a very credible source at all. So I don't think there's really much truth to any of this, but... As you guys said, like Mantha should be a 30 goal scorer. You don't trade that for someone like Ristolainen, who's like a second pairing defender. Mm-hmm. So I, I, there's just really no way that Iserman makes this trade. And, and especially since we have um, Saviarji and uh, Chelowski and Hironik and Cider and all these guys that could be coming up. Cider I could see coming up like in the next couple years, but like these other guys are ready to go and I feel like they'll be just as good as Rist and Iron. I mean, that's the other thing too that I think you kind of have to look at. I mean, Detroit's going to lose, what is it, four of their six defensemen this year in the offseason. I mean, Daly will be gone. Green's gone. Erickson's gone. Cronwall is gone now, So, we'll, but we'll get to mm-hmm. that later. So, I mean, you've, you're going to have four defenseman slots open up for Detroit. Like, I We're think gonna you're going to have gonna, a lot of cap. Yeah, and there will be a lot of cap. I mean, I think next year is when you're – Detroit's really going to get a true chance to evaluate the defensive pieces they have in their pipeline. And I don't know why you would try to shove a guy like Ristolainen into that lineup when you're trying to create competition while you're still mid-rebuild. Yeah. Speaking of uh, Nick Cronwall, pretty big news this week came out. So 
Nick Cronwall, after 15 years of playing, has officially announced his retirement from the Detroit Red Wings as a player. He's still going to stay on in the managerial sense. Um, I believe he's going to be what assistant to Steve Eiserman. So he's still staying with the organization. But this is a huge deal for Detroit in terms of their hockey club. I mean, 15 seasons with the team. He made the playoffs every single year except for the the years that they haven't made it in the past which was what was it 15 16 was the last one that they uh they didn't or that they made it but yeah 15 16 just a huge leader in the locker room he was with detroit during those runs he won a stanley cup got to play with guys like uh, lidstrom really in a sense a captain for that team i mean he may not have worn the c but in terms of leadership cronwall is sort of the guy who they used in transition after Zetterberg left. I mean, this is, I think, a huge deal for the Red Wings organization. I mean, yeah, I agree. I don't think he's going to get quite the fanfare that, like, Nicholas Drum or Zetterberg. Well, Zetterberg didn't really have much fanfare. He kind of just quietly retired, too. But Nick Cronwell, I think, next to Lidstrom, was probably our best defenseman we've had in the last however many years. He was great on offense. He was definitely great on defense, especially with, I mean, they made a verb after him, Cronwalling. I mean, the guy was great and he was, he's a good veteran presence and he helped the young guys a lot, like Madison Bowie. I remember reading about Madison Bowie, like learning a lot from Cronwall, learning a lot from Green when we traded for him from the Caps. So it's going to be a presence really missed in the locker room more than on the ice because his legs were starting to go and he wasn't the same player he had been a few years ago, but his veteran presence is really going to be missed. That's one thing that I think a lot of fans have really overlooked about Cronwall recently. Like, I mean, yeah, you look at the guy and like, if you just look at the past two seasons, you could look at him and say, well, he can't keep up with today's NHL, but you have to remember the guy's been playing for 15 years Father time takes everybody eventually. And I mean, he's, I think it was fourth overall in points for Red Wings defenseman. I mean, the guy was um, amazing when he was in his prime. He, he, he really was. And like you said, father time comes for everybody except for Nick Lidstrom. I mean, he could probably still get on the ice and keep playing, but yeah, uh, it's sad to see him go, but I'm glad he's sticking with the organization in a pretty big role too. I mean, he's going to be assisting Iserman, who's the GM. So I think he's going to fall into kind of what Iserman's role was when Iserman retired and sat under uh, Holland, which I think would be really great because Cromwell has a great hockey mind. He understands the game really well. And I think he's going to be really helpful in the coming years in that front office position. His career was getting derailed with injuries as of recent years, wasn't it, too? Yeah, it was. Yeah. He's his hip, everything. So, yeah, it's nice to see him go out. I mean, I know he's been that veteran presence, that leader in the Red Wings locker room, but it's good to see a player go out and just, like, he doesn't put his body at risk anymore. We kind of hit it last week about this, retiring when you want to go. But, uh, yeah, I think it's just a good decision. Cronwell's still going to be there to support his team, be a big part of the team for the future. So, mm-hmm. uh it seems like the Red Wings did him well by offering this position. And yeah, it's sad to see a uh, veteran like that go, but I'm glad he's not going to be uh, nailing some of my Blackhawks players on the ice anymore. Yeah, sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> he did it to everyone. It was pretty yeah. cool. Nobody yeah. was safe. Nobody <laughs> no. was safe. You are. Um, you weren't safe if you were on the ice with uh, Nicholas Cronwall. So, but no, uh, like I'm. I'm happy for him. We talked about this last week though i mean these guys do have a life after the game and it's nice to see him go out 
when he wants to leave and he didn't overstay his welcome in the league he he basically said look you know it's time to move on like life goes on after the game and the other thing that i liked he uh if you guys haven't gotten the chance he did like an exit interview with uh the media and he basically said you know Iserman and Blashill didn't try to force him to stay, didn't try to force him to stick around. And they basically told him, like, if you wanna if you wanna stick around on this team, there's a spot for you. But if you wanna leave, we perfectly understand. Mm-hmm. And I think the fact that he recognized that it was time for him to leave just makes it that much better for him. He didn't try to overstay his welcome. We can move on to the next piece of news. So the uh, Traverse City Prospect Tournament is in full effect right now. Uh, for We talked about it a little bit last week, but basically it's a tournament that's going on this weekend in Traverse City where a bunch of teams get together and they bring their top prospects to play against each other. Uh, right now, Detroit is actually playing Chicago as we speak. Um, I believe the score was 4-1 in favor of the Blackhawks last uh, we had an update. Yeah, it's still 4-1 in the second period as of right now. I didn't want to say anything earlier, but Kirby Doc nailed uh, Moritz Sider. So that was pretty fun to see. Fake news. <laughs> and, no. uh, yeah, good. But I believe they're going to be streaming the games all weekend, so I'm pretty sure that uh, teams will each put the VODs up on uh, their YouTube channels or their Facebook. So if you follow the teams on their socials and you can't watch them in person, uh, go ahead and go back and watch them if you get the chance. I mean, these aren't you know guys who are just like walk-offs the street who just came in and are trying to get a spot. These are high-end players. I mean, you just talked mm-hmm. about it, Kevin. You know, Kirby Doc's playing. Moritz Sider's playing from the Wings organization. Um, I believe, yeah, Boquist is going to be there from the Hawks on D. Uh, Zadina's there on the Wings end. I mean, these are the high-end players who are going to be trying to compete for NHL time this year. So definitely, if you don't get to watch it live, go back and watch the VODs for them if you want to like get a chance to watch it in, in the past. Because it's going to give you a good look at how players are, are going to potentially stack so, up in the future. I'm losing it. Hold on. There we go. Yeah, we'll definitely on next week's show cover the uh, results of the tournament, and hopefully we'll be talking about uh, the Blackhawks winning the whole thing. <laughs> yeah, just, just a quick <laughs> quick update on the live game. My uh, guy that I was saying the guy to watch for last week, Mackenzie Entwistle, he has a goal in this game along with uh, Kirby Dock. And yeah, so two guys that we are hoping to see at some point this year on the Blackhawks roster. Uh, off to a good start in camp, or this tournament, I should say. Yeah, I think it's a great game, a uh, great tournament that they instituted years ago uh, to really showcase a lot of these young guys. And it's really just the futures of a bunch of teams. So fans can see what the future looks like. And for some, the future is bright. For some, the future is scary. <laughs> but regardless, I mean, this this prospect tournament is absolutely great for, I think, just about every team that shows up. I mean, you get to evaluate what your pieces look like for the future against other teams' pieces for the future. Mm-hmm. Players have the chance to earn spots. I mean, that's how Dennis Chalowski got his shot this year, or this past season, I should say. For the Red Wings, he impressed at this tournament. I mean, so this tournament is a way for players to grab jobs. Yep. And considering the guys that we have playing in the tournament on the Red Wings side, there are plenty of spots open for them to take. I mean, I don't have the game open in front of me right now, but I mean, I'm sure that the Blackhawks, I mean, you guys have a couple people who are looking to break into this roster. I mean, Kirby Doc, 
Ukraine. He's been the guy we've really been hyping ever since he got drafted, but management said they're willing to give him every shot to make it. So, I mean, this prospect tournament is his chance to prove, like, hey, I belong. And it sounds like he hasn't disappointed yet. I think he's going to make uh, he's gonna make the team out of camp, it seems like. So, yeah, hey, this is a big tournament for him to see if uh, he's going to belong in the NHL with the big squad the big boys i think that'll pretty much wrap it up for red wings and blackhawks talk we'll move on to the rest of the league now um jake gardner ends up signing with the carolina hurricanes so basically they pick him up i believe it was for four years and just a little bit over four million if i have the numbers correct so not a bad pickup for them at all and it makes Toronto essentially have some flexibility with their cap now. I mean, they don't have to worry about re-signing him. Um, I think it's a great signing. Just this has the potential to be really good for them. It's not a ridiculously high cap hit for what you're getting. And the term isn't locked up for eight years where you can't move it. Yeah, this is a really great pickup for Carolina, I think. I thought Jay Gardner was going to command a lot more money. But apparently what seemed to be the case is he was getting offers from other teams in the league, but they were only willing to give him like short, like two year term deals. And he liked that Carolina was willing to give him the four years. So he took a bit less. Uh, and of course, you know, he wants to be on a competitive team, a team that can go into go deep into the playoffs. And now he's a part of the Carolina roster, which with him included, it looks to have possibly the best decor in the league. Yeah. It's, the decor is so good that uh, one of their main uh, leaders of that decor and might be finding their way out now. Justin Falk seems like he's going to be uh, out the door pretty soon with this signing. So, but yeah, great signing for Carolina. Gardner was going to, I thought Gardner was going to command a lot more money in a longer term before this offseason started. So, yeah, great signing for short term or a medium term and very low salary for Jake Gardner. Yeah, I have to agree with what you guys are saying. Medium term deal is perfect for both sides because one, it makes it comfortable for him that he's not on a short-term deal where he has to worry about playing really well enough to have, get another deal. And for the other team, they're getting a young player who has talent and they got him for, you know, starting into his prime years. And if he ends up being as good as they hope by the time that deal comes out, they'll, they'll offer him another deal. And like you were saying, I mean, he's joining an up-and-coming team. They upset the Caps last year in the playoffs, the defending champs. Um, their decor looks great. Um, I think they could go deeper into the playoffs now by adding him and with how they've been playing. And it's weird with Justin Falk rumored to be out. I mean, I think earlier in the summer, there was rumors about a trade between the Wings and Carolina to get Justin Falk, if I remember correctly. But yeah, there was, was one like, there was one like a year ago or so, a year and a half ago, where it was uh, Chicago and uh, and Carolina, Justin Falk. I think it was for like... Sod and schmaltz is what they wanted. Yeah, but, uh, yeah, so they've been trying to move him for a bit now. And with the arrival of Jake Gardner, now it's uh, a bit more imperative that they move him, and I'm pretty sure there's one year left on his deal. I'm very expendable. I'm very expendable guy now, Justin Falk is. He's been in the trade block for, like we said, like two years now, and it seems like his time is finally going to be up in Carolina, which he's a good player, so any team that has a chance to get him should have. Uh, Add to that decor. Yeah, there was a rumor, I think, in January of us trading Nyquist to them for him. There was also the rumor of us trading Svechnikov for him and I think a pick. But yeah, I think yeah, he's going to so Lots of Falk rumors that have been flying around <laughs> all over the place. We'll, we'll all be saying, what the Falk when he gets traded? Yeah. 
there's a lot of falking rumors. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I, I really like this move. And I think the thing that I also like about it is this shows that Carolina's management is finally starting to actually spend money on players. I mean, they've been a budget team for a while, but it just seems like they're finally starting to spend money on their team. And fans have been, I mean, fans were really connected to that team last year. I mean, whether you liked, you know, the post-game antics or not with like the storm surge and stuff. I mean, the fact was that fans were having a good time. They were showing up to games. And I think management actually putting money into this team and trying to make something good. It's just great for their franchise. I mean, they had a pretty decent amount of success last year. They upset the caps who nobody thought that that was going to happen. And they weren't terrible when they made it out of the first round and they just improved their roster. They didn't lose any key pieces in the off season. So all mm-hmm. they did was just strictly improve in my opinion. Yeah. And, um, yeah, getting fans in the seats, in my opinion, is probably the most important thing you can do because fans buy tickets, they show up, you sell out, you get money to you know invest in your team and get bring those players in. So I think the antics they did with the storm surge and all that stuff was really beneficial to getting fans in and getting that team stronger because no one wants to play in a uh, arena where there's no fans. I mean. Look at Arizona. They barely have anyone show up. And if they do, it's like Detroit Red Wings fans and we're playing them. So that team is just a sad place. And I guess they must have really gotten a nice hot dog cart for Phil Kessel to play there. (laughs) While we're uh, on the topic of Arizona, let's go ahead and uh, talk about them for a minute. They actually reassigned Clayton Keller to an eight-year, $7 million per deal. So kids sticking around for a minute. Yeah. Um, I want to be happy for the organization, but I think this is a pretty big gamble for them. I don't think they've ever signed a contract quite like this before. I at least like not in recent deal. memory. I like Well, Chaka did it with uh, Nick Schmaltz. Well, that's a deal. It wasn't, uh, it wasn't eight years, I don't think, but uh, it was, I think, seven years. Yeah, I think it was seven years with Schmaltz, and then uh, wasn't it? Uh, it was it Chaka got it? Another long one too, and then OEL as well. Yeah, uh, but I actually like this deal for Clayton Keller. He's, uh, you know, uh, he kind of had a struggling year last year. Uh, his after his stellar rookie campaign uh, last year, he just had I think it was forty three points. So I mean, they're they're paying him to be the player they signed uh, that had his rookie uh, that had a sensational rookie year with sixty five points and twenty three goals. So yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. he's he's a face of the franchise basically for that young forward group. It's not Nick Schmaltz, what everybody wants to think. Nick Schmaltz is not a face of a franchise type player, which is nope. why Stan Bowman traded. <laughs> so Clayton Keller, you got to you got to lock up your guys long term. And Clayton Keller got it money. It sure it was an oh, sure it might have been a slight overpayment, but you want to keep a young stud like him around for a long time. And the, and I mean, I'm really iffy on the deal. I think, yeah, you want to lock up your young star player, but it's a lot of money. And I think it was kind of smart of them too, bringing in Phil Kessel because he's a great, he's a, one of the best scorers. He's a veteran presence, so he's going to help the kid develop even more in his time there. So, I mean, we'll see what happens with it. Yeah, I'm personally not a big fan of the signing here. I just think that's, it, I mean, it's a big gamble is what it is. You're giving Keller a lot of term, a very high cap hit. So he has a lot to prove over the next few years for him to really live up to that deal. Because as of now, I, 
Keller is a very talented player, but he's also a player that is mostly just effective on the power play and just being a purely offensive guy. He doesn't really have any two-way ability. Like he's kind of a one-dimensional player. So I just, for now, I don't really like the deal. I think it, as long as he improves, he can grow into that. But for now, I think it's very risky. Yeah. Uh, in your guys' opinion, like obviously we've seen teams gamble on younger guys plenty of times before. I mean, it's not necessarily a gamble per se, but I mean, you've got a lot of the kids in Toronto who are making pretty big money. You've got the guys in Edmonton who have very big money, like uh, McDavid and Drysaddle. And those guys are all getting paid that kind of money, but they don't have the success that usually comes with that kind of money. Do you think in the future that teams are going to keep looking at whether you've had success into the playoffs or if eventually it's just going to become a my regular season production is what dictates a contract i think it's a little bit of both i mean i think uh i think you got to be a good playoff performer like say if you are an average player but you're a great playoff performer that's going to help increase your contract worth i mean if you're stellar during the regular season you're still going to get paid a lot more but if like uh average player during the regular season has like a great postseason or is just a known postseason performer he's going to get a bigger contract yeah i think production in both the regular season and in the postseason are both very important. So I don't think one is necessarily more important than the other because if you don't have the good regular season success, then you're not going to get into the playoffs to begin with. So, you know, both are important. But I do agree that I think players should be more proven before they get big deals like this because you're kind of encouraging players. You're kind of basically sending out the message that they don't need to work that hard in order to get big money. But that's where the craziness comes in because you have guys like McDavid and Drysdale who are talented players getting these big money deals, but they've not really played in the playoffs at all. Like Edmonton's had so many high first round picks, first overall picks, and they can't even get into the playoffs. This team should be on paper like a great team, but they can't get it working. So I think, yes, playoff experience is great and all, but when you have players that don't make playoffs but they're great players yeah they deserve still to get paid in my opinion i mean it's it's definitely an interesting situation i think i mean fans they like to see you know these high-end players but at the same time you know management kind of gets their hands tied up with like this sense of well if we want to you know keep fans in the seats and we want to keep people watching we want to have success we have to pay these guys who haven't delivered on what is in theory the ultimate goal which is you know playoff performance i think it's kind of an interesting like situation particularly right now just because i mean in the salary cap world it's very much a thing where your regular season performance and your playoff performance both matter a lot. I mean, you can't just easily move players unless they have, you know, pretty low contract hits. So investing in these younger players, it can be a gamble. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Unless- and I, oh, yeah. No, I mean, I was just going to say, like, I do kind of see this uh, this uh, calorie signing as, you know, John Chaka being a younger, inexperienced GM. And kind of caving in a little too quickly to demands. Yeah, I would actually think I'd actually have to agree with that. I mean, he's he's a, Chica's young. He's a young guy in charge of a 
up and coming franchise. And yeah, I don't think he wanted to play hardball with Keller. He knows he's a good player, but he didn't want to bring him down. And I mean, we were discussing earlier in the show with Brandon Perlini. Obviously, Perlini not in the same tier as Keller. No, absolutely but, not. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely not. But, you know, that was an instance of Stan Bowman, you know, his being a bit more wiser as a GM and kind of standing his ground and not caving into that that uh, higher cap hit demand. I think Cheka should have been a bit more patient here, in my opinion. And, well, I mean, if we look at our, our next topic with Line A in Winnipeg, um, that's a situation where it looks like they're being quite patient with uh, Line A as well because they don't seem to want to give him what he's asking for. One last uh, thought on the Keller thing. Uh, you were talking about guys, Clayton Keller, Caliber. Uh, this is going to... He was in the same situation as Dabrinkit was. Uh, this is going to affect Dabrinkit's contract next year. If a guy like Clayton Keller is getting paid over $7 million, Dabrinkit should be making around the same, if not around 8 So, uh, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what uh, happens with if this affects the Dabrinkit contract now. Yeah, I mean, I think if Dabrinkit goes another season with, like, 40 goals, he's getting at least 8 mil regardless of the Keller contract. Um, but, yeah, it always is interesting to see how other contracts shape up future contracts like this Jake Gardner deal that could affect what Eric Gustafson gets next for example yeah and I would not want to pay Gustafson uh four mil so yeah please it's let him walk after this year Kevin, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you actually just uh, mentioned line a we'll go ahead and move on to him so rumors going around that uh, line is not expected to be going back to Winnipeg uh this one is interesting to me um, Patrick Laine, I think he's a really interesting player in the fact that he's shown he can be just extremely offensively talented, but then sometimes he just disappears. Um, I don't really know what to make of this story, to be honest. Like, it just seems so odd that a player can be so hot and cold like he has been recently. Yeah, it's a weird one for sure. I mean, Laine came into, into the league and impressed everyone with his goal-scoring ability. He was starting to look like the next Ovechkin, um, you know, where he was just going to be this perennial sort of uh, Rocket Richard winner every year. But um, yeah, this past season was really hot and cold. He was very streaky, and he definitely had some stretches where he just really looked out of it, looked kind of lazy. However, he's, you know, he has his, uh, he needs his new contract, and he's, you know, asking for money based on, uh, you know, based on his performance of when he was doing very well. But obviously, Winnipeg doesn't want to commit to that high cap hit because they're afraid of getting the line A of this past season. Mm-hmm. I mean, we were kind of just talking about it with uh, Clayton Keller in terms of, you know, in some ways you're kind of gambling on a, on a kid when you hand him this kind of uh, money. I mean, I don't really think it's unreasonable if Flyne had kept up his production when he first came in that he would be expecting 8+. plus. Definitely. I don't know. I, I think it's kind of just so interesting for Winnipeg because, I mean, when Patrick Laine was when he was on his game, it's like you said, I mean, he was looking like the next Ovechkin, the next, you know, Rocket Richard, front runner. I mean, he just was absolutely tearing up. But then you have seasons like this season, and he just sort of looked lazy. Didn't really look like you know he could be bothered. Yeah, it looked like there were definitely some work uh, work ethic uh, concerns. Or it didn't seem like he was really putting in the time to really practice and improve his game. And there were all those you know Fortnite rumors and all that sort of stuff. But I think there was 
you know, some truth to that and that maybe he wasn't taking hockey as seriously as he should have been. So I can understand why Winnipeg is apprehensive about, you know, re-signing line A to a big deal because they just don't know which line A they line a they're going to get long term i'm starting to get the sense that fans are kind of wanting to not pay line a yeah like, someone that I, like 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 we've been saying like he, this guy was idolized like the next ovechkin and now i like, just scrolling through twitter fans don't want to pay line a the money because they're afraid you're going to get the line a from last year for the next seven eight years which is not worth paying eight and a half million so yeah i mean what if he did, if he did, his mind is all hockey, we've seen it before. He's just a stellar athlete, just one of the best in the league, best probably one of the best shots in the league now. So yeah, hope um, it's gonna be a t- tricky situation. I honestly don't think he goes back to Winnipeg, but I don't know what team is gonna make a ridiculous offer for a guy who had a terrible year last year. I think if they let him walk, that would be the pretty big mistake. I think everyone has a bad year and this looks like it was his bad year. I feel like he could come back stronger. And if they let him walk to another team, that could be a big mistake. I think two teams that I think uh, would be in for him would be the Islanders and Toronto, especially with Marner. If Marner leaves Toronto, they're going to need someone to fill that spot and loosen that blow of losing him. And I think if he does leave Winnipeg, Toronto could be a good team that would try to go in for him. I was thinking Montreal. I thought Montreal would, I mean, they have. Montreal was there too with me. Montreal, I think they have a bunch of cap and they haven't done anything with it this offseason because they made that offer to Ajo and that's really all they've done this offseason. So, (laughs) yeah. uh, Besides trading away like Andrew Shaw, but it was just clap cap clearing moves so uh yeah i mean i think a team like montreal could be in on line a but it's gonna be a hard it's gonna, like the offer is gonna be a couple first round picks two or three first round picks if not more to acquire patrick line a. yeah winnipeg is in a tough situation if they want to try and sell line a because they'd be selling him at a low point which i mean yeah it's a weird spot for them to be in because you likely you're expecting line a to probably have a bounce back year next season I mean, we'll see what happens, but that's probably the expectation. If you trade him now, you're selling him at a really low point, and you're not going to get what Line is really worth. And, you know, I don't know if teams are going to want to shell out, you know, those multiple first-round picks and high-end prospects just in case Line doesn't have that bounce back year. So I think it's a very strange situation for Winnipeg to be in right now. Probably yeah. the worst. Terrible situation to be in. And they also have uh, Kyle Connor too to worry about. So mm-hmm. this is just, this is going to be a rough off season for the Jets. They're uh, two highly skilled players that still have yet to do anything with their contracts. And for a team that was so dominant in the Central Division just two years ago, this is uh, they're in a bad situation right now. Yeah, and it looks like as of now, like the Jets organization definitely has a preference towards Kyle Connor than they do Patrick Line. Like it seems like they're definitely going to prioritize getting Connors done first, Connors deal done first. So if you guys were in Winnipeg's position, based on what we've seen of Line so far, would you be willing essentially to offer him like a two-year deal? That's a pretty high cap. It is assigned to him saying, hey, if you keep performing at your peak, we'll do, you know, the eight year extension. Or would you guys be willing to just say, like, if like we don't want to take the gamble on him, let's just get the first rounders while we can do it. Oh, I would take the gamble. Um, Like you said, he's 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 was talked about as like the next Kovechkin, next this, the next that. I would say, yeah, two million big cap hit just to say, like, we want you to be here, but we want to make sure you want to be here. 
in terms of your play style and you're playing not like, oh, I want to go to another team. You need to bounce back and this is your chance. And if you do, we will pay you big money, long-term deal. You will be the face of this franchise until you are old and gray. Yeah, I mean, obviously the that would be the ideal situation for Winnipeg is if they can get line A and just approve it kind of one or two year deal, like a bit of a bridge deal for him to prove it. But I don't think Line wants that. That's the thing. I mean, absolutely he's voiced, not. He's voiced concerns, like he has basically come out and said that, like he doesn't really like how things are going for him in Winnipeg. Like I don't know how much he really likes being a part of the organization. I think he just kind of wants out and wants to play elsewhere. So even if he gets a good offer like that um, from the Winnipeg Jets organization, it still seems like he wants to go elsewhere. I don't think he is keen on re-signing with them at all. And also, yeah. bridge, deal, bridge deals are super rare for uh, quote-unquote star athletes. So, I mean, I, a rare occasion, occasion of that was Artemi Panarin a few years ago with the Blackhawks. They ended up trading him anyways. But yeah, you don't get a bridge deal with a star athlete. They want uh, they want long, they want term, and they want money. So, I don't think that's going to... I mean, obviously, that'd be a beneficial situation for Winnipeg. But yeah, Line A wants... Out of there, it seems. I don't. I don't know what's enough money to keep him in Winnipeg, but I don't think he's going to be there this upcoming season. That's another thing to kind of note. We talked about this with Jesse Pugliarvi with the Oilers organization, but if you know this is starting to float around to other GMs that Liney's not wanting to stay with Winnipeg, he's in some ways you know weakening Winnipeg's leverage in any sort of negotiation as well. Yeah, it it is weakening, but uh, I mean teams know they're starting to pay a premium for Liney, so. I mean, it might not be what Winnipeg is asking, but they're still going to have to give up a lot to acquire a guy like Patrick Laine. And just to hope that it's the guy from two years ago and not the guy from last year. So I think that's the big thing that is what makes this so hard is you're playing this guessing game. Do you get last year's Patrick Laine or do you get the Patrick Laine that was torching the NHL? I mean, we've seen, you know, players, I mean, just on the Red Wings front, you know, Dylan Larkin in particular, I mean, we watched him have, you know, a down year, but then he came back stronger than he'd been before. So maybe this that's how Line A projects out and his situation goes down. But, I mean, there's no guarantee, you know? Yeah, I mean, Line A has proved that he can do all the things that he's done. You know, he can score 40 goals in the NHL. So for me, I think it's inevitable that he has a bounce back, that this is just kind of a... You know, fluke. A one-year slump. It, it's more of a fluke. Um, but the, I just don't know if we're going to see that rebound happen in Winnipeg because if he stays in Winnipeg, I don't know if he's actually going to have that motivation to get back on top. Yeah, I, would, I, I agree. I mean, there's no like he, he voices displeasure about things, how things are going in Winnipeg. He's not going to want to play there. Like he's not going to go and give 110 percent of the ice every night. So. Yeah, I mean, why he's not going to want to play his best in a situation he doesn't want to be in. So yeah, I don't like you said, Kevin. I, he's we will it's see. True, but Patrick if you want to get paid, you got to do it. Yeah, you do. But I mean, it seems like it. It seemingly seems like he's going to be gone soon on a different team, and it, yeah, he won't be bouncing back on Winnipeg. He'll be elsewhere. We'll find out. Yeah, I mean, we. I guess we'll find out regardless. But just really interesting situation. Um, yeah, Shevel Day Off has a lot to figure out here. I think that pretty much wraps it up for us in terms of the topics for tonight's podcast. Um, no fan questions this week, at least as of the recording of this episode. 
Um, we do have some podcast news, though, before we leave. The podcast is now officially on iTunes. So mm-hmm. feel free to find us and give us a five-star rating if you enjoyed the show. Uh, ratings on iTunes help a lot. Subscribe, unsubscribe, subscribe, unsubscribe, subscribe. Just yes, keep, they do. Just keep doing it again. Just subscribe, unsubscribe as many times as you can, but make sure you finish it on the subscribe button. Get our ratings up. Get our popularity up. We want listeners. We want to reach out to more people. So, and, I want to uh, find out who gave us that one star. Yeah. <laughs> I, I bet it was Bill, you know, Garen. Or, we're coming for you guys. So uh, five-star review, please. It'll help us out if you're listening to this. Um, yeah, and it, it, it just motivates us to produce better content for you guys because we know people are listening. So uh, do whatever you can. Leave a review. M- maybe critique us in the review. So, uh, yeah, thank you guys for listening, and uh, hope you guys enjoy it. Yeah. So that was just a little bit of news I wanted to give before we go. But uh, as always, like Nick was saying, we appreciate you guys tuning in and listening to us tonight. Um, we're going to assume that you probably either found this podcast on either SoundCloud or iTunes. So wherever you found it, feel free to subscribe, follow, like, rate, whatever the method is of interaction on the site with us. Um, if you have any sort of like fan questions or any topics you want us to discuss, always feel free to send us an email. The email is stickbladepodcast at gmail.com. And you can also find us on Twitter. Uh, Twitter handle is at stickbladepod. But with that being said, that's going to wrap up our show for tonight. And with that being said, this has been another edition of the Stickblade Podcast. Have a good evening.